If you feel like your business is drowning in inefficiencies, it might be time to decode the problem and break it down by the numbers. Let's start with 37,000. That's the vast community of business owners who've embraced NetSuite. 25, that's the number of years that NetSuite has been revolutionizing financial workflows and accelerating success. Which brings us to one. NetSuite offers tailored solutions, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Unlock the power of NetSuite today. Download our acclaimed KPI checklist for free. Just head to netsuite.com slash cbs. That's netsuite.com slash cbs. Tonight, the major news involving your health, the antiviral pill to combat COVID that could be available at your pharmacy soon, plus the change in guidance for taking aspirin, what you need to know. A pandemic game changer? Tonight, the Biden administration secures 20 million courses of Paxlovid. What is it? How does it work? We have all the details. And the breaking news about the booster and kids. Plus, as the CDC says most Americans have had COVID, Vice President Kamala Harris tests positive. So when was her most recent meeting with President Biden? America's military housing crisis, lead, asbestos, mold, and mildew. The investigation tonight into the condition of homes for our service members and their families. Intense fighting in Ukraine. As Vladimir Putin meets with the UN, the warning tonight that radiation levels are abnormal at Chernobyl on the anniversary of the world's worst nuclear disaster. The health update. Does an aspirin a day still keep the doctor away? Tonight, the new guidance for your heart health. We break it down with Dr. John LaPook. Toxic water, the new technology that could clear potential cancer-causing carcinogens. You can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it. Safe and sound, the happy ending after a baby was kidnapped while his grandma unloaded groceries. And a celebrated orchestra looks to the future of classical music. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday night. We begin tonight with what could be good news. Today, the White House took steps to make a pill for treating COVID available to millions more Americans. Pfizer's antiviral drug Paxlovid has been shown to reduce hospitalization or death in people with COVID by nearly 90%. The drug that was once dubbed the biggest game changer since the vaccine hasn't had a true impact due to a lack of availability. The free antiviral drug is available at about 20,000 sites around the country, but now there's hope that could change. That's not the only headline on the pandemic tonight. There's this breaking news. Pfizer just asked the FDA to authorize its booster for kids ages 5 to 11. That's important because the CDC says 75% of that age group has had COVID at least once. And here in the nation's capital, we learned Vice President Kamala Harris Harris tested positive for COVID-19. The White House says President Biden is not considered a close contact. We have a lot of news to get to tonight, and we'll start with CBS's Mola Lenghi in New York City. Good evening, Mola. Well, good evening, Nora. The vice president tested positive this morning after starting her day at the West Wing. We should note she is vaccinated and boosted, uh, but that comes with the White House uh, already having COVID at the top of their agenda with the rollout of a new plan to make it that powerful anti-COVID drug widely available on pharmacy shelves nationwide. Paxlovid is one of the most effective antiviral tools for treating COVID. If only more people could get their hands on it. 
Over the last few months, the administration has worked very hard with Pfizer to increase the supply of Paxlovid and acquire uh, more and more doses for the American people. Until recently, it was hard to find, but with production up, the Biden administration today announced it wants to make Paxlovid available for free and is launching an effort to double the supply, getting the pills into 20,000 more pharmacies over the coming weeks. If there were ever a drug to ask your doctor for, Paxlovid would be that drug. It reduces the risk of COVID hospitalization and death by 89% in high-risk adult patients and is already authorized for people 12 and over who are considered high-risk, often with underlying conditions like obesity, hypertension, diabetes, and asthma. But it must be taken within five days of symptoms, often igniting a race to find a pharmacy that actually has it in stock. And as you can see, the cough is still working its way out. Still there. It's a scramble. Gabe Rice knows all too well. Have you noticed uh, its impact? Yeah. After a couple of days, I definitely was feeling better, um, feeling less fatigued, um, coughing less, less congested. Another key tool in a return to normalcy, the antiviral drug remdesivir, which the FDA just approved to treat children as young as 28 days old with COVID at a time when more than half of all Americans, including three out of four children, have now survived a case of COVID. Nationwide, COVID cases are up 22% over the last week and 45% over the last two weeks. Still, COVID deaths down over that same period, falling 13% over the last week and 37% the last two weeks. Well, also tonight, Pfizer has requested that emergency use authorization for its booster shot in children ages 5 to 11 years old. Based on data they submitted to the FDA, a third dose of their vaccine showed significant protection against the virus in that 5 to 11 age group. Nora. Lots of headlines there, Malalengi. Thank you. Now to an alarming story that CBS News has covered for years. Hazardous living conditions in military housing run by private contractors. And tonight, the danger still exists for those who serve our country. CBS's Nicole Killian reports tonight on the ongoing problems, even after one of the companies was fined tens of millions of dollars for wrongdoing. U.S. Army Captain Samuel Cho traveled all the way from his post in South Korea to Capitol Hill. No one else will speak up for my daughter. Describing in painful detail the severe eczema she suffers after their family lived in a mold-infested home at Fort Gordon, Georgia. Her skin, once youthful and supple, is now reptilian in nature to where there are numerous times she would wake up in the middle of the night, hands covered in blood. How do you explain to an eight-year-old child why she should endure something like that. Cho was one of several service members who testified before a Senate investigative committee probing Balfour Beatty, one of the nation's largest private military housing companies. A panel report found the contractor has engaged in ongoing mistreatment and mismanagement that has put the health and safety of military families at risk. Senator John Ossoff chaired the review. We're talking about lead, asbestos, mold and mildew ceilings falling in, requests for urgent maintenance never acted on. It's completely unacceptable. Last year, the company pleaded guilty to fraud and was fined $65 million for falsifying work orders to obtain performance bonuses from the military. Why should we believe, Mr. Taylor, that a company been engaged in major fraud against the United States is fixing this? Things go wrong. We don't always get it right the first time. We're not perfect. Their explanation, I believe, is very coached. 
At this point, what do you want? There is no resolution for my daughter, but I would like for her to have the quality of life that she deserves. At least one advocacy group says it has fielded hundreds of complaints from military families. Chairman Ossoff told me he plans to follow up with the Pentagon and the Justice Department. Nora? It's outrageous. Nicole Killian, thank you. Let's turn now overseas to Ukraine, where President Volodymyr Zelensky just made a surprise visit to a children's hospital in Kyiv to visit orphans who lost their parents from the Russian bombings in Mariupol. Meanwhile, after meeting with the U.N. Secretary General in Moscow, Russian President Vladimir Putin agreed in principle to a plan to evacuate citizens from that steel plant in Mariupol. CBS's Chris Van Cleve reports tonight from Kyiv. Putin continues to build up forces in Ukraine's east. But now, signs of Russian aggression moving west, starting with Ukraine's biggest port city of Odessa, the scene of recent missile strikes, the latest taking out a key bridge to Romania, a NATO ally. This is Ukraine's last coastal stronghold. You lose this city and you lose this sea and possibly the war. Odessa is also on the way to Transnistria, the pro-Kremlin breakaway region of Moldova where Russian troops are based, and for two days the scene of mysterious explosions, including government locations. Moldova, ever more vulnerable to a possible Russian invasion, says the blasts were aimed at creating pretext for straining the security situation. In Moscow, State TV asked Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov about the threat of a nuclear World War III. The danger is serious, real, and we must not underestimate it, he said. In recent days, Russian missiles have repeatedly flown directly over Ukrainian nuclear facilities. Hardly the first brushes with disaster. Europe's biggest nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia was seized by Russian forces last month. Ukraine's nuclear power authority tells CBS News that it narrowly avoided a catastrophe unlike anything we've seen since the explosion in Chernobyl 36 years ago today. Early this morning, the sky was pitch black as survivors marked the anniversary in Slavutich, the nearby town built from scratch specifically for evacuees like Alexei, who worked at the reactor. We never could have expected such a disaster, he says, just as we never expected Russia's invasion of Ukraine. With the threat of shelling high, no light is allowed, save for these candles to honor the dead, now not for one tragedy, but for two. And it's hard to overstate the risks Russia is taking. When we spoke to the head of Ukraine's nuclear energy program, he said he fears the people who would fire on nuclear facilities are the same kind of people who could fire nuclear weapons. Nora. Chris Livesay in Ukraine, thank you. Tonight, a mother is speaking out as she seeks justice in the death of her 14-year-old son, who was killed in a fall from an amusement park ride in Orlando. Nakia Dodd says her son's death could have been prevented and she's demanding changes. Here's CBS's Michael George. Nakia Dodd can't stop thinking about the last conversation she had with her son. He turns around and says, I'll see you Saturday or either Sunday. And that was my last time speaking to my son. 14-year-old Tyree Sampson died last month after he slipped through the seat of an Orlando freefall ride. Dodd says the phone call she received broke her heart. It was a, 
a movie. I'm thinking I'm in a, a movie. Uh, 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 am I dreaming? I'm like, no. No, I, I mean, worst nightmare ever. You send your child on a vacation with family and friends, and he didn't return from their vacation. That's, uh, that's gruesome. I know, that's horrible. Sampson's parents filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Icon Park, the manufacturer and operator of the ride. A recent state safety report concluded Tyrese Seat's safety sensors were manually adjusted at some point and left a gap between the harness and the seat more than twice the typical size to accommodate the 380-pound teen. The manufacturer required maximum weight was 287 pounds and is right in the manufacturer's manual. Ms. Dodd, to you, was this more than an accident? At first it came out as a tragic accident. It's not an accident. Yes. Me, my personal opinion, it's murder. Orlando Slingshot, which operates the free fall, says they're cooperating with the investigation, adding, quote, all protocols, procedures, and safety measures provided by the manufacturer of the ride were followed. Tyree's mother now wants accountability for the son who is affectionately called a gentle giant. He didn't deserve this. He did not deserve this. Now, the family believes a simple $22 seatbelt could have saved Tyree's life. They're calling for them to be installed on similar rides. Nora? Michael George, thank you. Tonight, a major reversal by an influential physician advisory task force on who should take an aspirin a day to prevent heart attacks and strokes. CBS News Chief Medical Correspondent Dr. John Lapuka is here to explain. Good to have you, Dr. Lapuka. So why was this change recommended? For years, there's been a gradual evolution of guidance about who should be taking low-dose aspirin to prevent a first heart attack or stroke. We've seen a shift away from recommending it widely, Nora, because of the risks, especially bleeding into the gastrointestinal tract or into the brain. Now, there were two major recommendations today. First is that adults 60 and over should not start taking aspirin to prevent cardiovascular disease for that group. The risks are felt to outweigh the potential benefits. The second recommendation, if you're 40 to 59 and have an estimated 10-year uh, risk of 10% or greater 10-year risk of having a heart attack or stroke, starting low-dose aspirin at, say, 81 milligrams a day may provide a small benefit. Now, your healthcare provider can calculate that risk using an online calculator. All right, so that's interesting. So who should keep taking their low-dose aspirin? So important. People who have symptoms or evidence of cardiovascular disease, for example, somebody who's already had a heart attack or stroke, should keep taking their aspirin. And this new guidance is also not for people who need to take aspirin for some other condition, and it's also not for people who need to avoid aspirin because they have an increased risk of bleeding. And finally, if you're already taking aspirin and you don't fit into those categories, that's lots of people out there, check with your health care provider. Check with your doctor. Dr. John LaPook, thank you so much. Tonight, researchers estimate that more than 200 million Americans in all 50 states could have toxic chemicals in their drinking water. They're called PFAS, which until now has been virtually indestructible. In our series, American Innovation, CBS's Mark Strassman shows us a new technology that could calm our water worries. It's incredible the amount of PFAS. Sandy Winstelt discovered too late her Michigan home sat across from a former waste dump. My well tested at, I don't know, 25, 30,000 parts per trillion, and the EPA health advisory is 70. Her husband, Joel, died of cancer six years ago. She has had thyroid cancer. For more than 20 years, they drank well water contaminated with possible carcinogens called PFAS. 
You can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it. You will not know it's there unless you test for it. PFAS, man-made, practically indestructible chemicals, resist oil and water. They've been found in some firefighting foams, facial makeup, and non-stick cookware. And this is an issue in all 50 states? All 50 states, that's correct. Amy Dindels with Battelle, a scientific nonprofit with promising technology to eliminate the PFAS threat. It's pumping the dirty water into our system. This dirty water is contaminated. And this is where our reaction system is happening here. This is where the PFAS go it's away. Destroyed. That's correct. Intense heat and pressure break down the chemical bonds. It takes seconds. I absolutely think it's an answer that nobody's had before. Brian Ricardo, CEO of a waste management company, partnering with Battelle. We're hoping to have a scalable version of the plant within six to eight months. So end of the year? Yeah. This new technology could put these forever chemicals in the past. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Grand Rapids, Michigan. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Tonight, a three-month-old baby is safe and sound after being kidnapped from his family's home in San Jose, California, as his grandmother was unloading groceries. Police say three suspects were taken into custody, including a man seen on surveillance video taking the baby away on Monday, and a woman who was with the grandmother before the abduction. Little Brandon Quaylar was taken to a hospital just as a precaution. All right, tonight in North Charleston, South Carolina, police are investigating a flurry of gunshots that sent kids and adults scrambling for cover in the middle of a youth league baseball game. Police say two groups of teenagers got into a fight in the parking lot and they fired shots at each other as they drove off. No one at the game was injured. The Chicago Symphony Orchestra's core mission is to enrich, inspire, and transform lives through music. It's doing just that by breaking down barriers and introducing a new and more diverse generation to the world of classical music. Here's CBS's Charlie DeMar. From inside one of America's great symphony halls come the sounds of inclusion. There are so many great um, musicians of color, but you never see them all in one room playing together at once. Anika Veda is a high school senior from suburban Chicago, and on this night, she's playing flute alongside some of the best musicians in the world. Nervous at all? A little nervous. <laughs> she's one of 50 gifted young musicians from 10 cities who spent a weekend with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, a symposium for diverse performers. This is the first time I've been in an orchestra where almost everybody is from the same background as me or looks like me. It's just an incredibly diverse array of musicians. Anika and the others are getting an opportunity Stanford Thompson never did as a budding trumpeter in Atlanta. He's now the chairman of a network that mentors classical musicians of color. I think it kind of sends a signal that they aren't alone. 
that they are on this journey with others that are trying to become professional musicians. The first movement in a long journey to diversity in classical music with a finale yet to be written. Charlie DeMar, CBS News, Chicago. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, the drastic life changes that some retirees are making due to rising inflation. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell here in our nation's capital. Good night. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.